Greetings, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. Welcome to the Wine, Work, and Passion podcast, where we go beyond wine education and help you pursue your dream job in the exciting world of wine. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and I've been working with wine ever since I was old enough to serve my first glass. I know from experience that being part of the wine industry means more than a career, it's a lifestyle, and I've loved every minute of it. Our mission at Wine, Work, and Passion is to help you pursue your best life in the field you love. In each episode, I'll talk with wine industry insiders and leaders who know what it takes to help you get the interview, land the job, and flourish in this amazing world of wine. Today, we'll kick off our inaugural episode of Wine, Work, and Passion with Christian Ogenfuss, the founder and chief executive officer of the Napa Valley Wine Academy and the person who planted the seed to create wine, work, and passion. You'll learn about his amazing journey from starting in a tasting room to becoming CEO of America's premier wine school and all things in between. And I'll share my story as well. In truth, our stories are a lot like your stories, and we hope to inspire you to follow your passion to work with wine. We'll also talk about this podcast, why we created it, what you can expect in future episodes. We'll also talk about our mission to help students, wine enthusiasts, and professionals use their passion to achieve success in the wine industry. Be sure to stay tuned until the end when we'll offer actionable advice to help you in the pursuit of your wine industry career. And now, let's get to our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Christian. Can you tell our audience who you are and what you do in the wine business? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. My name is Christian Ogenfus, and I am one of the founders and CEO of Napa Valley Wine Academy. And we are a wine education institution that educates people worldwide. Well, that's great. And I know we're really here to kick off our podcast, but I thought before we get to that, why don't you tell the audience about your journey that led you to become the CEO of America's premier wine school? You have a very unique story, so let's hear it. It's a long story, so I'll try to be as brief as possible. I grew up in the food and wine business, the grocery business in Zurich, Switzerland. At that point, I really didn't want anything to do with wine or groceries. I was an aspiring filmmaker. I went to college in the U.S. I actually also went to high school in the U.S., but I went to college in the U.S. And I found myself working at one point for CBS television and actually for the Chuck Norris series called Walker, Texas Ranger, which was filmed in Dallas, Texas. And there I was one of the location scouts and managers for that show. And then I got a call from my parents who said, hey, we're considering selling the business. If you're interested in taking it over, why don't you come back to Switzerland and see if that's something you'd be interested in? So I went back to Zurich. I worked in the family business, and that's really where my love of wine began. So I started to drink wine, enjoy wine, and then my fascination with learning about wine just got kickstarted. I started to travel to different wine regions and learn as much as I could about wine. And then in 1999, I actually moved to Chicago with my wife and my freshly born daughter. And I worked for what was at the time called Sam's Wine and Spirits, no relation to Sam's Club. It was one of the biggest wine and spirits retailers in the Chicagoland area. 
at the time. Since then, it's been purchased by Binney's and part of Binney's. But there, I learned about something called the WSET. And a couple of my colleagues were taking WSET courses at the time through the International Wine Center in New York. So I thought, wait, that might be a good idea too. So I signed up and started that journey. And in the middle of that journey, I actually ended up moving back to Switzerland. So I never finished the WSET at that point. And then in Switzerland, I was lucky enough to be able to start a wine business. So I've actually built out the wine business for the family business. And then also launched a new concept, wine bar, wine store combination. And then my love of wine just continued to explode. And I thought, I really might want to work on the wine production side of the business and maybe leverage some of my skills from retail on the sales side of the wine production business. So I started applying for jobs and I thought I'd come on a business trip to Napa Valley in 98 with my wife and just absolutely fell in love with it. And I thought, why not apply for some jobs in Napa Valley? So I scoured the internet and I found, this was in 2004, I found a job posting for a winery here in Napa for retail general manager. And I thought, well, why don't I apply for that? So I did. And lo and behold, a few days later, I get a call very early in the morning, my time from one of the owners of the winery. And they said, hey, we got your resume. Can you come in for an interview? And I said, yeah, hopefully you realize that I'm in Switzerland, not in California. So coming in for an interview is going to take some foresight and planning. And they said, well, we're still very interested in talking to you. Can you be here in five days? So I moved heaven and earth and bought an expensive plane ticket and flew to San Francisco. I stayed at a hotel at the airport. The next day I got up, rented a car and drove to Napa Valley. And at that point, it was pouring rain. It was one of those just torrential downpours. And I thought to myself, oh, this weather is miserable. This is nothing like I remember in the Napa Valley because I had visited in July when it was nice and warm and golden and sunny. So I'm driving up and I'm thinking, well, maybe I've made a mistake to come here. And then the next day, I woke up in my hotel room, looked out the window, and it was absolutely sunny. So I quickly realized this is actually a place for me. It is beautiful when it's not pouring down rain. You probably thought you landed in Portland, Oregon <laughs> when you first got here. I did. I thought I landed in a version of Zurich, just with more vineyards and more trees. So I ended up getting the job. And then the second question came, when can you start? And I said, well, you do realize I live in Switzerland and I have <laughs> a household and a family that I need to prepare to move. And this was around Thanksgiving. And they said, well, can you start before Christmas? I said, well, I really can't. I need a little bit more time. And they goes, OK, we can give you until right after New Year's. Can you start January 3rd? So I quickly flew back home, moved again, heaven and earth to pack everything up, get the movers, make an international move. We flew on December 31st into LA. LA, we bought a car on January 1st, drove up to Napa Valley, got here on the 2nd of January, and I started my job on the 3rd. It was really quick. From there, my involvement and love of the wine business just grew. I then moved on to Benzinger Family Winery, and I ran their direct-to-consumer business for them and the Benzinger brand and the imagery brand. From there, I went to Treasury Wine Estates, and I ran the direct-to-consumer business for the Napa Luxury Estates. And then I got recruited and hired by the Plum Jack Group, and I worked for a Plum Jack, Cade, and Odette Estate Winery as director of marketing. And at that time, I started with one of my business partners, Catherine Bouguet, 
we hatched this plan to start the Napa Valley Wine Academy. We had both been instructing for a school in San Francisco that no longer exists that taught WSET. We said, we think we can do this better and provide a better service to students than they're getting right now at this current school. So that's where the plan got hatched for Napa Valley Wine Academy. I should rewind quickly and say that I did end up finishing my WSET actually in Napa when I arrived here at Copia, when Copia was still around. I was just going to ask you that. I had it on my notes. <laughs> yeah. So I took WSET level three and Peter Marks was my instructor and I took that. And then I learned that there was a diploma program. So I quickly after passing the WSET level three, I enrolled in the diploma program. And that was a great program. Took about two years to complete. And I completed that in 2009. I think January is when I graduated. So that's how I got into teaching for this other school in San Francisco. Once we decided we were going to launch our own little school, we thought we'll just teach on weekends and that'll be it. It'll be a little bit of extra money in the coffers for my daughter's college education. A little side hustle. <laughs> a side hustle, exactly. So I had my day job, director of marketing for Plum Check Group and the school on the side. Well, the school just continued to grow. I think our first class, we had four students in it, and we were really excited about that. We said, wow, we attracted four students. That's amazing. Yeah, I just want to interrupt, so give the audience some perspective on that. I'm in the process of teaching an online level one class right now, just level one, and I have 106 students, and we do that twice a month. So <laughs> just to give you some perspective on that, four students, <laughs> we're doing 400 between level one and level two now a month. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So the business just took off from there. So I ran it out of a spare bedroom in my house and it just kept going and going. And my wife said to me, you're really busy. You should think about hiring someone or shutting it down because you're burning the candle at both ends. So I said, well, she was working at Behringer at the time. I said, well, how about you? be the first employee and, and help out. And I said, it's going to be easy. You're going to just be able to work from home, be there for the girls. And she said, oh, that actually sounds pretty good. I said, no commute. Well, she started and then the business doubled quickly once she started. So six months later, she's saying, this is too big for me to handle on my own. I'm working full time and I don't have any time. I thought I would have more time for the girls, but I don't. So she said, I think now it's your turn to quit. And you come and work from home and we'll work out of the back house together. And won't that be great? So I thought about it and I did it. I took the plunge and scariest move I've ever made. I have to admit, I thought for two to three weeks after that, I thought, oh, my gosh, I've just torpedoed my family. My girls, they're going to be going to college and I won't be able to afford it. And what have I done? But those fears were quickly allayed. The business continued to grow and grow. And then we got to the point where we said, we need some more help. So I went to Catherine Bouguet, my business partner, and said, okay, now it's your turn. <laughs> we need help. So why don't you quit your job and come to work for us? So she did. And then from there, now we have over 25 employees at Napa Valley Wine Academy. We're the world's largest provider of WSET. Like you said, four students in the beginning has ballooned into 100 times that per month for level one and level two. Hopefully that's the short version of how I got into the wine business. No, that was great. It was awesome. I'm still trying to picture you and Chuck Norris together. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Chuck Norris is quite a bit shorter than I am. I have funny stories about that. I'll tell you sometime. <laughs> yeah, I think he is kind of a little dude. Maybe that's why he's so aggressive with his martial arts. <laughs> 
I have a couple questions for you. So you mentioned you got your credentials at Copia, which is now the CIA at Copia here in Napa. Did you land the job here in Napa before that? Before Copia or? Yeah, well, you must have because you got the job in Napa and then your credentials followed that, right? That's correct. My wife actually applied for a job at Copia before I even knew what Copia was when we moved here. So Okay. The only reason I'm asking is it sounds like you had a pretty good wine business in Zurich, and then you were here and able to get a great job without that particular credential. And so it can be done, but I certainly think to flourish down the road, building those credentials obviously helped you in the long run, working for so many amazing wineries that you mentioned, and then ultimately owning your own school. So just kind of wanted to throw that out there for the audience. And you've kind of, like you're the Pied Piper of Napa, you pick up a person here, you pick up a person there, and you just keep adding to your corral of amazing employees. There's also something I want to ask you about, because you didn't mention it, but I want you to brag a little bit about your accomplishments and talk about You mentioned that we are the largest WSET provider in the world, but talk a little bit more about the awards you've received from the WSET and the WSET in general being the industry standard. Yeah, so the WSET, for those listeners who might not be familiar with it, is the world's oldest and largest wine certification body. So it started back in 1969, and they award a wine school, the Global Wine Educator of the Year on a yearly basis. So every year they award that to a different school. It was always our goal, that dream you put out in front of you that you keep your eyes on. When we started the school, I said, one day we're going to win that award. So we kept driving to that. One of our tenets of our school is to put the students at the center of everything we do. And we were firmly convinced that if we give the students what they deserved and the best education they possibly deserved, we could potentially win that award someday. So in 2016, I get a email from the WSET and it says, congratulations, you're one of six nominees for Wine Educator of the Year Award. And boy, I had the biggest smile on my face and I thought, wow, one of six. It's just an honor to be nominated. And they said, but you can't tell anyone and we're going to do some interviews and there's a couple of things we need from you. You're going to go through in front of a judging panel and make a presentation. And I said, well, we're up against six amazing or five other amazing schools. And we did that. We went in front of the presentation panel and did a presentation. And then you don't know. Then they say, okay, thank you very much. Come to London on January 20th and the winner will be announced. So we thought, do we fly over there? That's expensive and far. What if we don't win? It's just an honor to be nominated. And my wife said, we should just go. Let's just go because it's the graduation ceremony. We've worked really hard. We've earned this. So we went. We sat there in the row and they were announcing Ian Harris, who's the CEO of WSET, got to the point in the presentation where they announced the winners. And lo and behold, we won. We came up on stage and received the award. So that was a really special moment for all of us. At that point, we came back home, we celebrated. Then I got greedy and I said, wouldn't it be great if we won again? at some point. So let's drive for winning it a second time. And then lo and behold, in 2019, we got another email that says, congratulations, you've been nominated for one educator of the year award again. And we were all excited. And everyone said, we've just been nominated. It is very unlikely that we will win again, that someone else will probably win because there has never been anyone who's won two of those awards. So we went in front of the presentation committee again. They said, okay, congratulations for finishing the presentation. Come to London, January 20th, to see if you've won or not. 
So we had that same discussion again. Should we really go? Because it's not very likely we're going to win a second time. So again, my wise wife said, we should just do it. We've worked really hard. Let's go and enjoy it. And it's a great ceremony anyway. So we did. And my father also came with us. And lo and behold, we won again and we received the award from the WSET and Steven Spurrier handed it to us. And that was just a magical, absolutely magical moment to be recognized twice for all the hard work that our team does for our students and for our mission. That's amazing. That is really quite an accomplishment. And lightning does occasionally strike twice, I guess. (laughs) That's a good way to put that. So we talk about WSET, and we certainly do work with a lot of students through WSET, but what are some of our other courses that you want the audience to know about beyond just that credential? Yeah, so we had originally started off just teaching WSET, and it is a phenomenal program. But we often got asked, how do I learn about American wines? How do I learn about the wines of Napa? Or I don't need a credential for a career. I just want to learn about wine for fun, or I want to learn about it online and not in person. So it got us thinking, and we thought there is opportunity. We have such amazing instructors, MWs, master sommeliers, people like yourself that are just so knowledgeable and so passionate about wine. Why don't we start developing some of our own education programs and certifications? So we did. We embarked on developing the American Wine Expert program, which was originally an in-person class that we then transformed into an online class. We developed Wine 101, Wine 201, which are two courses for students that want to know a little bit more than what the WSET Level 1 and Level 2 teach, but also want the ultimate flexibility of doing it 100% online at their own pace and take the exam online as well. So those really are born out of that mission, our belief that if you put the student at the center of everything you do, you will succeed. And not only will you succeed, but your students will succeed. So that's where those programs have been born out of. And we continue to develop more. So we're in the process of developing some really exciting new courses, German wine expert with Romana Eckensberger, MW, who is one of the world's foremost authorities on German wine, and a couple of other ones that I can't reveal right now because they're in the skunk works, but that will be released very soon as well. Yeah, we have some great regional programs like Oregon Wine Expert and Argentine Wine Expert. I think those programs make a lot of sense for people, especially even for those who have some WSET credentials. But if you're living in Oregon, you're working in Oregon, you're working in the wine industry, why not get that extra immersion just into that region or whatever region that you're in? So I love that we're adding more. I love the German idea. I think that's great. We're adding more specialty courses that people can really immerse themselves in. Since this is a podcast about working in the wine industry, getting into the wine industry, how important are credentials, do you think, or wine education in general to becoming a thriving person in the industry? I think, obviously, that they're very important. I think they're very important for a couple of different reasons. Number one, they systemize a way of studying. So they, instead of grabbing at all the information that is out there, Wikipedia, all the wine books, and trying to organize it and learn it, it's a daunting task. So having a program that focuses you and gives you the information in a digestible way and in a systematic way is really important. So it focuses your study. That's number one. I think number two is that it gives you the confidence, right? You are studying and you earn your certification and someone, a body who has developed the certification tells you, okay, you do know something. You do 
have a grasp of this subject. And we believe in you enough that here is the certification to give you validation. And I think that's important, right, for your own self-confidence, but also for how others perceive you. And it's just a fact of human nature, right, that we look for people who are experts and who are recognized experts and who are recognized as experts by others. Then we tend to follow them. So there's that. And I think they're also important for when you're out looking for a job because it gives the employer or the hiring manager some confidence that you know something about the subject. They're like, ah, okay. They do know about the world of wine or they do know about Oregon wines. I feel confident that they have a good knowledge set. So I think they do help. I don't think it's the only thing and the most important thing. I've seen plenty of people in the wine industry who don't have certifications, who are very successful and who have come up through the ranks, just like we know there are Silicon Valley millionaires and billionaires who never went to college and are some of some of the most successful people in the world. So I don't think it is a prerequisite. But I think it helps a lot of people find an easier path into doing what they love. I agree with that. One other thing it does is a lot of the people who come to us for advice on how to get into the industry are coming without any real wine work experience. They have a work experience in other fields. And having that credential can sometimes help you overcome that lack of hands-on work experience if you're just breaking into the industry. If you have no working experience in the industry and no credentials, that's going to be a hard sell. So it does bring your resume up a little closer to the top when you've got that credential. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many software engineers, lawyers, doctors, accountants that have come through the school whose dream it is to get into the wine business or they're retiring and they want to work in the valley in the wine business or they're young software engineers who have made a lot of money and said, you know what, now I want to do some work that I'm passionate about. So they have skills. They have fundamental skills that the wine industry can really profit from. The wine industry needs lawyers. The wine industry needs accountants. They need software engineers. But when they go to apply for a job, they have no idea about the industry they're applying into. And I think the certification helps them with that. So now they understand the industry that they're excited about. They bring the additional skills, law degree, accounting. So when you marry those two together, that's almost like a secret weapon for them to enter into the wine industry. Yeah. And that's a great point. If you have skills in other areas, don't think you have to leave your corporate job and run away to, to what I call the circus, <laughs> the wine industry. You don't have to run away from home to get there. You can use the skills you have now. And just as Christian said, there's a need for every type of position, IT, even warehouse managers, whatever your skill sets are, there's wine jobs that need that type of skill. So never get discouraged or think that you have to start over from scratch because there's a lot of cases where you wouldn't have to do that. So let's talk about our podcast, Christian. Tell us, how does this podcast fit into the mission of the Napa Valley Wine Academy? I firmly believe in one part of our job is to educate people and give them knowledge. The other part of our job is to teach them how to apply that knowledge in real world situations. So how do we help them gain employment in the wine industry? Every other industry has career sites, has resources for people looking to get into that industry. And the wine industry really doesn't. Part of our mission, again, is to put the student at the center of everything we do. And we are often asked, what kind of career advice do you have for me? How do I do this? How do I do that? So it's always been on our goal list to create something like this, to create a career resource for our students. And this is born out of that idea, right? A podcast where you'll be interviewing different people 
from different areas of the wine industry about their journey on how they got built their career and them giving advice to students who are hungry and looking for tips. Yeah, I think that's exactly where it all fits in and how you and I sort of came together over this old brainchild of ours. So if you don't mind, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I do, what I did, how I got here, where my journey is, just because since I'm going to be the voice of wine work and passion, maybe it's helpful for the audience to know a little bit about why I'm the woman behind the microphone, if you will. Yeah, I can think of no better host than you. I mean, it'd be interesting to know how you came up in the wine business and why you're passionate about this podcast. Well, my journey is starts a little bit the same as yours. I started off in the restaurant business, and that's really how so many of us that get into the wine industry start. It's a great place to start. I actually thought when I was a server, I was already in the wine industry because to me, serving wine was just super important. And that led me to become a corporate trainer within the world of the restaurant industry, which so I got my wine bug while serving wine and I got my training bug, my education bug while teaching other people how to serve wine and ultimately became a wine buyer for a casual restaurant chain. It was not a big deal. I didn't have any credentials. Nobody asked me for any. Of course, this is long time ago when the earth was still cooling. <laughs> but that's kind of how I got the bug for wine and teaching. But at one point, you know, I had a lot of salespeople calling on me, wanting me to place their wines in my wine program. And I really was fascinated by what they did because as in most cases in the restaurant world, I was a corporate trainer and a wine buyer, but I was also still serving and still managing and still working till one or two o'clock in the morning. And I thought, boy, I think that wine sales job looks like a good one. I can stay connected to the restaurant industry. I can talk about wine and maybe I don't have to work until so late at night. And I was living in LA at the time and I did get offered a position by what's now known as Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. And I turned it down because it was at that time, it was straight commission. It's not that way anymore, but it was then. And I frankly couldn't afford the risk. <laughs> so, and I was making okay money doing what I was doing. But lo and behold, a couple of years later, I decided to move back to Ohio, where I'm from. My family was, I had nieces and nephews being born. My parents were getting older. So I decided to move back to Ohio. And I thought, here I have a safety net. If the bottom fell out financially, I could move back home if I had to. So I just started applying for sales reps jobs. Now, mind you, I had no real wine experience except very casual buying. I had no credentials under my belt. I'd been to wine country a couple of times, and of course, I loved it. So I said, I'm going to try this. So I just started sending out resumes to every distributor. Back then, we used the yellow pages, and every distributor, wine distributor in my area I sent a resume to. Every time I work with a coaching client, I always tell them, don't ever let a job description stand in your way of pursuing it. Because if you don't fulfill those requirements, go for it anyway. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I didn't fill any of their requirements, frankly, but I was persistent and I followed up. And one company said, you've been a wine buyer, so maybe you'll know what a buyer's looking for. So we'll take you on as a restaurant wine salesperson, which is exactly how I got in. And it was frankly, just a big Gallo house. At that time, Gallo was literally just Gallo. They didn't have any of the other nicer properties that they have now. So I did that. And little by little, over the course of about 20 years in the distributor network, I was promoted every couple of years into the next level, better territories. Then I started managing a team and just little by little. And I said to my boss one day, I said, we had one guy in our distributor that was working toward becoming a master of wine. And I asked my boss, I said, should I be looking at credentials? 
And he's like, nah, that's no big deal. You're good. You've been doing it long enough. And so I thought, okay, that's good. I was fine with me. But anyway, fast forward, I get picked up by a large supplier called Constellation Brands. And I worked in sales for them for about five years, covering about four states. And all throughout my sales career, I always used education was my number one secret weapon. Because when you're selling something to someone, you have to teach them about it. And then I would offer waiter training, staff training, wine steward training, just my own thing. I wrote my own program. I just did what I had learned, put together what I had learned. And I really enjoyed that part of it. And then I met, while I was with Constellation, I met Peter Marks, who you mentioned earlier, Master of Wine, who is also our Vice President of Wine Education. And he was the Vice President of Wine Education for Constellation at the time. And we just happened to be on a a work trip together in Italy. And we hit it off great. And he ultimately offered me a spot on his education team. But the job description required a WSET diploma. And I didn't even have level one. And I had just started thinking about getting into it. So I went right out of the gate to level three, did it in a huge hurry. He did give me the position. I was one of those situations where I could not fail because here I was already an official wine educator. I had to have that credential. And I am continuing now, even now, to pursue my diploma. So it was kind of an interesting road. I did do most of it without the credentials, but looking back on that, that was a different era. And I think today you couldn't get away without having the credentials. Even the distributors are providing them. In fact, they're actually sending you through classes and it really is such an important part of what we do. And plus everyone you're competing with for a job, so many of them will have that credential that to be competitive, you need something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a diploma, but I think some kind of, like you say, validation that the third party says, yes, you have that kind of knowledge, I think is super important. Anyway, so I started in wine education with Peter and I was covering half the US, working with our distributor sales teams, working with key accounts. And I moved to Napa in 2014 because I was covering the Eastern US. Then I moved here to cover the Western US. And that's where you and I met while I was here living in Napa. And I joined the Napa Valley Wine Academy in 2019. And the rest is history, as they say. We're lucky to have you. I mean, I think there are not many people with your breadth and depth and inside information and experience in the wine industry, right? From all the different positions that you've held. And that's one of the reasons we dreamt up the Wine Industry Career Series blog together. I said, all that knowledge in your head needs to be shared with people looking to get into the wine industry or people looking to advance their position in the wine industry. So you've been writing that blog for us now for how long? I think I'm on my sixth blog, so that's got to be three months. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun and we're getting great response for it, all kinds of topics. We just did one actually about how to make money on Instagram talking about wine and how to rewrite your resume so it's more wine-centric, all those kinds of things. And you also do mentoring sessions, right? Career mentoring sessions with students. So I'm really excited about this podcast because now you're able to not only share your knowledge with folks, but invite other guests onto the show to share their experience and their knowledge. I know you have some potential guests and topics coming up. You want to tell the listeners what those are? My next two guests, the first one is going to be Curtis Mann, who's Master of Wine, and he's the Vice President of Beer, Wine, and Spirits for the Albertsons Group. And this will give our audience a great insight into a great way to get into the industry is through the retail industry as a wine steward in a store, at a wine shop, and then how to turn that into a very dynamic 
job. And he's got some great insights for us there. And he'll also give us some good information if you're interested in following the path of Master of Wine. He's going to walk us through that as well. And then we are going to interview Peter Marks, of course, Master of Wine. And he's been a vice president of wine education here at the Napa Valley Wine Academy for a large company at Constellation. He was a buyer at Drager's. He actually was one of the first wine educators at Copia. And he's had many occasions to hire and to train and to develop talent, education talent. And so I think he will come to this podcast with, if you're looking to become a wine educator, this is going to be a great podcast for you because it will really give you insights as to how to go about pursuing that particular career. Yeah, you have some great ones coming up. So why don't you tell our listeners and our audience what they can expect from Wine, Work and Passion podcast? How often is it going to be released? And are we open to suggestions about topics and guests? Absolutely. So we're going to launch it once a month. It's going to be released on the third Monday of every month. The blog articles that we write will be the first Monday of every month. So every other week, you'll either get a blog or you'll get a podcast. And by the way, these are going to always be announced when we launch them in our newsletter at the Napa Valley Wine Academy. So if you're not on our newsletter mailing list, I strongly recommend you get there, not just for the blog and the podcast, but all the great free webinars we have coming up, any new courses, any discounts we're offering, just any new events. Also, there's quizzes on there, lots of interaction on the newsletter. So I recommend you subscribe to that. But in any case, so that's where you'll get the information on the podcast and the blog. And I would really very much appreciate audience participation. If you would like to send us a suggestion on either a, a guest that would be interesting or a topic, as long as it's related to jobs within the wine industry, that I want this to be about the audience. I want the audience to hear what they need to hear, learn what they need to learn to be able to pursue this. Because in my mind, what I love about what I do, and I've loved it from the first day back thousands of years ago, <laughs> is that working in the wine industry is flat out more than a job. It really is a lifestyle. And everybody gets in and nobody gets out because nobody wants to get out, right? So that's kind of my personal mission. But yeah, you can email us at WWP Napa Valley Wine Academy at NapaValleyWineAcademy.com with any suggestions or questions or anything about the podcast. Feel free. Yep. That's WWP at Napa Valley Wine Academy. Well, I'm excited. This is going to be great. And I think our listeners are going to enjoy you as the host and all the guests you have coming up. Thanks for having me on as the first guest. Yeah, thanks for helping us kick this off. I thought, well, this is a good way to say hello to our audience and let people know what's coming. So I really appreciate you giving me your time today. And I want to thank the audience. I hope you will join us for next month when we have Curtis Mann, Master of Wine with Albertsons. That's all I got. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Christian. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for joining me today on Wine, Work, and Passion. I hope our show has inspired you to follow your passion for wine and find a job in our dynamic industry. Our goal is to make this podcast all about you, so we'd love to hear your suggestions for wine job-related guests or topics. You can submit your ideas by emailing us at wwp at napavalleywineacademy.com. As always, if you enjoyed the program, we'd appreciate a good review on iTunes. And feel free to share wine, work, and passion with anyone that could benefit from it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next time.